So I wanted to start a short series of, of three talks uh, on taking refuge this evening, um, because there are three refuges in Buddhism, uh, and we refer to taking refuge or taking the three refuges, um, sometimes refer to those refuges as the three jewels or the triple gem, the triratna. Uh, we use the word jewel or gem because these three things are very precious to us in our practice. And those three refuges or jewels are the Buddha, the individual expression or example of the path of awakening, the Dharma, which are the teachings on the path, um, or the path itself, uh, and the Sangha, which is the community of those walking the path. So we take refuge in those three things, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And taking refuge is probably what I would say is the most formal way uh, to describe what it means to be a Buddhist or become a Buddhist uh, in the same way that in, in the Christian tradition, you know, folks may be asked to uh, be confirmed, take confirmation classes. Uh, or be baptized. You know, now you are a Christian. Uh, people ask me what it means to be Buddhist or what Buddhists believe. I, I tend to say uh, it's living nobly in the midst of suffering. Right? There are a lot of ways to describe what Buddhism is. I, I feel like that's the, uh, the most concise answer. Uh, but if someone would ask me how to become a Buddhist and start their practice, uh, my, my answer would be to take refuge to take these three refuge or refuges uh, and taking refuges is making a choice it's making a commitment right it's not something that you should enter into lightly um chogyam trungpa rinpoche was a tibetan buddhist teacher uh compared taking refuge as no longer needing to shop around so to speak because oftentimes we're looking for something in life to help us make sense of life Right. Or sometimes we're kind of looking for the next best thing. You know, uh, what can give us peace? Looking at the greener grass on the other side of the fence. And so taking refuge is choosing our path. Right. We're, we're declining the other options, so to speak. And, and that takes a huge burden off of our shoulders because now we know the way that we want to go. Uh, and I <coughs> the word refuge is important right because a refuge is is not quite the same thing as a home right a home is where you live and stay you know may you may stay in the same home or the same house for your whole life you know a refuge is a place where you go when your home is taken away right refugees are often people who you know they're going forth from an uncertain situation and let's face it, life is an uncertain situation, right? You know, nothing lasts. Everything is changing. People die, will die one day. You know, our good health is temporary. We're getting older. Um, and sometimes we find the things that we thought would last forever and always be there for us, whether it's people or possessions or institutions, they don't last forever. And when we realize that uncertainty in our own lives, 
it can feel like our home is gone. Like the ceiling has just, or the roof has just blown off the house, right? The walls fall out, the floor drops away, and we're homeless. And, and in our practice, in our tradition, we often call these sudden realizations of that stark reality of human existence and uncertainty eruptions. Crack, boom, right? And they can make us feel homeless in a manner of speaking. And we become refugees looking for a place to warm up, feel safe, maybe get out of the rain. And the word refuge often refers to something temporary. Right, because everything is temporary. But taking refuge in, in Buddhism, uh, like I said, it conveys a level of commitment. You know, you can think of it less as, as something that will be a temporary place to stay and more of something that you will always have with you as you continue going. So less lean to in the woods and more of a tent that you carry with you as you continue your, your path. And this this is backed up in the the uh, the Pali, um, you know, one of the the languages in which a lot of our sutras are written. Um, in Pali, taking the three refuges is called T Samana Gamana. T, and I'm no linguist, so, <laughs> so you have to forgive me if I mispronounce any of these words. But T uh, means three, right? The three refuges. Samana refers to the refuges. Uh, it's related to a word that can also mean pacification or alleviation, right? Uh, and gamana is going, right? Going on a journey. So the taking the refuges is less about, you know, taking a break and more like taking a trip, right? There's a there's a going in, in, involved with taking refuge. And I think this is an important thing to call out because taking refuge is not a passive once and done thing. It's something that we're we're carrying with us into everyday life. So that's what it means to take refuge in Buddhism. So so now let's talk about the three refuges. Uh, and like I said, I'll, I'll do this across a few talks. I want to spend uh, tonight talking about the first refuge, which is the Buddha. And we take refuge in the Buddha as an example, right? An expression of the path, an individual expression of the path. Because we don't worship the Buddha in Buddhism. Um, we don't believe the Buddha is a god. You know, the Buddha never claimed to be a god. Uh, we don't pray to the Buddha to intercede on our behalf or heal us when we're sick. Um, you know, people may wonder, like, well, why all the statues it's called Buddhism it's named after this you know this this individual why all the statues why all the bowing why all the altars you know with images of the Buddha why do we bow to those those statues and those images when we bow to representations of the Buddha as a sign of respect right the same way that we bow to our teachers or fellow priests will bow to each other um, even oftentimes when we send emails back and forth, we use either the bow emoji or, you know, the, uh, the, the underscores with the, the, uh, um, slashes, right. To show the shape of a bow. So we bow to each other. Um, we bow to our, the, the, the folks in our communities and our sanghas, 
during our liturgies. And we bow to the Buddha to remember that example. And in a way, we're bowing to our own Buddha nature. And I'll talk about that in a bit as well. Because the, the Buddha, um, Siddhartha Gautama, historically, is a great example of someone who, who you know, went ahead and figured it out. Uh, worked on his mind because he recognized that his mind was the source of suffering. You know, not the world around him, not evil spirits or angels or demons or gods or devils or anything like that. But his mind was a source of misunderstanding about reality that led to suffering. So he worked on his mind. After trying uh, some some things that were more focused on you know, asceticism and, and different ascetic practices and things like that, you know, trying to avoid food for a long period of time. He recognized that it was his mind where he needed to focus. So he worked on his mind. Um, he took responsibility for his thoughts and for his actions. And he didn't rely on anyone else to fix it for him, you know, or to do the work for him. Again, not on a god or a holy teacher, but on himself. And he understood that he had everything that he needed to wake up and to realize his Buddha nature, his Tathagata Garbha, as we sometimes refer to it as, his potential to awaken his true self, as we refer to it as in our in our practice. Uh, and it may sound odd to say the Buddha realized his Buddha nature. You know, maybe, maybe it'd be more natural to say that Siddhartha Gautama realized his Buddha nature uh, because he was Buddha the whole time. You know, just like we're Buddhas the whole time. You know, I could say my Brada nature, right? <laughs> my my true self, who I really am. Because when we orient ourselves to our Buddha nature, it helps us from getting caught up in the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves or the stories that other people tell us about ourselves that can make it easy uh, uh, to be confused and to suffer. Right, so taking refuge then is the, in the Buddha is committing to see more clearly and knowing that we can do it because we're following the example of someone who's done it before. Right? Faith. That we can do this. And we take refuge in the Buddha because he's an example of someone who relieved suffering, who lived nobly, who encountered the world with love, even though he wasn't perfect. But he made those around him better. And so he's a good example to follow. Because we have that same intrinsic nature in us. So what it means to take refuge in the Buddha is essentially acknowledging that we can live nobly making that commitment because the Buddha showed us how he was just a human and we're just humans. Right? So taking refuge is accepting that connection and that similarity in both our humanness and our Buddha-ness. Right? So 
when we take refuge in the Buddha, when we take this first refuge, we're also taking refuge in our own Buddha nature. Uh, Tara Brock, who is a psychologist and, and meditation teacher, says taking refuge in the Buddha means taking refuge in our own potential for liberation. All right, it's honoring our own ability to walk that same path that the Buddha walked, to attain that same realization. It's saying, I can do this. I can realize what the Buddha realized and committing to that path. Because remember, taking refuge is going with. It's going on a journey. It's not hunkering down, <laughs> staying put. It's following a path. And that path is what I'll talk more about in the next talk. Uh, when we discuss the second refuge, which is the Dharma or the teachings of the Buddha or the path that we walk as we practice and and go toward awakening and liberation. So that is the first refuge, taking refuge in the Buddha. So I hope that you have found this teaching helpful as you consider your own practice or, or, you know, as you consider whether a Buddhist practice would be beneficial and make sense for you. 